This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. The Buck Sexton Show. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show. All right, team, welcome back. We're joined by Matt Continetti. He is the editor-in-chief of the Washington Free Beacon. Matt, great to have you. Thanks for having me, Buck. So a lot of uh, holdouts, it seems, or or a a fair amount um, in the media who are still hoping somehow, hoping against hope, that this coming Monday the Electoral College uh, will have members who stand up and, and don't vote Trump. Uh, what, what, what do you think about this? I mean, let's like let's play this out a little bit. What would happen if they didn't vote for Trump? Well, I think there would be an insurrection in the country. <laughs> to be perfectly frank, I think this uh, story of the Democrats basically trying to gin up the idea of an electoral college coup uh, against Donald Trump is the most irresponsible, dangerous and lunatic thing to come out of the left in some time. And and here's why. The Electoral College is there for a very specific reason. The founders of this country did not want to chain the fortunes of the entire country to the largest population centers inside it. And so they established the system in order to distribute in a very you know rational, common-sense way, allocate the votes throughout so that you wanted a majority of the states rather than just focus on the, the densest, most populated areas. So that's exactly what Donald Trump got. In fact, he got the best electoral college result of any Republican in basically a quarter century. And yet the Democrats are still in denial about this election. And so the idea that somehow they think they would overturn the results of this election after Donald Trump had won states, no Republican had won in decades – it's just it's lunacy. It's 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 a sign that clearly they have not come to grips with this election, and indeed the the fact that they lost is now un, unleashing them to succumb to their worst impulses. I mean, you've got even the opinion pages of the New York Times why GOP electoral college members can vote against Trump. I mean that that was published uh, today. I'm sorry that that that's from today. Uh, these are these people and these platforms and, and media outlets are straight up advocating. It's interesting. On the one hand, when it comes to the Russia hack, it's the it's the dangerous subversion of our democracy, and you know it's a bipartisan issue. Everybody, we need to all be on the same page with that. But when it comes to the electoral college, meh, democracy, democracy. Who cares? Well, these are the same people who, since the 2000 election, have been calling for the Electoral College to be abolished. Now, and indeed, there's been calls for that to happen 
after the 2016 election because it is true Donald Trump did lose the popular vote, mainly because of his drubbing in California, an overwhelmingly blue state. And so how can it make any sense for, for you to say on the one hand, abolish the Electoral College, and then on the other say, no, we need the Electoral College to go against the will of the people in the various states and put Hillary Clinton in, uh, despite it's just it's just so clear. Did, I mean, did you hear the celebrity, uh, the Martin Sheen and oh, company yeah. saying, oh. "Don't vote for Trump"? We're not telling you who to vote for. It doesn't have to be Hillary Clinton. Just don't vote for yeah. Trump. Well, how is that supposed to work? I mean, well, do we just not have uh, a president? You know, these Hollywood flakes probably think that the Electoral College would put Dr. Jill Stein in or something like that. I mean, it's just you can get you can get in the weeds here, and it is truly conspiratorial thickets. Uh, that are pushing this line. But, you know, there's some people who say, oh, well, maybe the Electoral College would somehow bring Kasich in. Kasich wasn't a factor in this election. Kasich made some wrong choices in retrospect about this election and about his relationship to the party and its nominee. Many people did. Why on earth would, after Donald Trump picks up these states that no Republican has won in decades, would electors throw the election to the governor of Ohio who didn't even back the Republican nominee. It's just, it, it, I have to say, it just drives me crazy because here you are supposed to, the Democrats in the media are supposed to be the guardians, right, of decorum and responsible behavior and principle, right, in contrast with Donald Trump. And yet with this story, with the Electoral College story, they are revealing themselves to be children. You uh, said yesterday in an interview, which is up on freebeacon.com, that you view Trump's victory as a repudiation of Obama's legacy. Um, how, how so? I and mean, give me some of the specifics. Well, uh, I, I mean, there's not. It's a repudiation in the sense that there's not going to be much of Obama's legacy left after four four years. You have to think about it. Uh, Barack Obama came into office. Uh, he wanted to basically create a new foundation, his words, uh, to the American economy. That included Wall Street reform, that included Obamacare, and that included uh, some tax increases, but also it included the alternative energy spending, right? Well, what, what did Trump run, run against? <laughs> he ran against Obamacare. He ran against the environmental policies that have crippled the fossil fuel industry in this country and many jobs that go with it. And he ran against tax increases. He wants to cut taxes. He ran a full-spectrum opposition to the Obama domestic agenda. And moreover, he ran against the key part of Obama's foreign policy agenda, which is the Iran deal. So you have a situation, especially now that the Republicans have control of both chambers of Congress, where you can see all of those supposed legacies of Obama being undone by the end of Donald Trump's first term. And moreover, now that we have, uh, we'll have a conservative replacement for Scalia, and we might have up to two more justices in the next term, uh, the next presidential term being replaced by Donald Trump. So there on the court, you would have a, a pretty much a solid conservative majority on the court. This would be a blow to the left, um, unlike uh, really anything they've experienced since Ronald Reagan. 
And so that's why I'd say it's a repudiation of, of Obama's politics and, and a policy agenda, which was never that popular. Obama was always personally popular and continues to be. It's what he did that was unpopular, and Trump basically ran on a pledge to undo what Obama has done. Matt, uh, we've been talking a lot on the show about the Russia hacks in the election. I just wanted to get uh, sort of your your overall take on on where that is now and how much of it a big deal we should treat, uh, whether we should treat it as a big deal. What do you think? Well, it's certainly a big deal. Uh, cyber is a incredible, incredibly important part of uh, overarching national security strategy and challenges that America faces. And I don't think there's any doubt among the intelligence community that the Russians interfered in the election in terms of some of this hacking. Where the dispute is, is whether they explicitly interfered with the intent of electing Trump. And there, there is much less certainty. And the Democrats have seized on one CIA assessment to senators that it was classified and leaked to the Washington Post, which is the kind of now the tribune of the Trump opposition opposition to Trump. They've seized on that one assessment to say somehow that Putin is responsible for Trump's election. And that is just going way too far, in my view. Uh, And we also have to say, okay, why was Russia able to hack into some of these systems? It's because the Obama administration has done nothing in eight years to respond to or deter Russian and Chinese cyber attacks. And if you go into the details of some of these stories that appear in places like the Post and the New York Times, you'll find many Democrats blaming Obama for not doing enough to counteract these cyber intrusions. Uh, And so I'd like to see an investigation of the Obama cyber policy as well as an investigation of what Russia was up to. And, And it's meaningless if it's not actually met with some type of response. And so I'd like to hear some more from the Democrats about what they intend to do in the future. What is their preferred counter-cyber strategy? They're not talking about that. All they're doing is trying to cast doubt and illegitimacy on Trump's election. Yes. I mean, I think that is the key point. Uh, I've said this before on the show, but I'll just tell you, this. my, my sense of this is they keep saying it's about an investigation. Okay, well, we we already we're told that we know that it was Russia. In fact, as of today, we're told we know that Putin specifically, out of a grudge against Hillary, was pushing this whole thing. So, if we already know it's Russia, we know it was a Putin grudge. We know how they did it. The investigation, okay, fine. What what are the Democrats who are claiming? Mean, it's bipartisan too. We got John McCain, Lindsey Graham, and others. But specifically, the Democrats who are crying out for an investigation. What do they think they're going to find? We're being told that they already know basically everything that happened, and there's no way to prevent uh, somebody from emailing you and saying, hey, I'm your system IT, you know, I'm your system administrator, give me your password. If you give them your password, they're going to hack into your emails. Well, the goal isn't to find anything. The goal is to have a report come out six months from now or nine months from now that will create another news cycle about Russia and Trump and cyber that will disrupt politics and disrupt whatever policy agenda the Trump administration is pursuing. That's the goal for many of the Democrats. Now, obviously, John McCain, Lindsey Graham are interested in, in, in what has happened and probably would be more open to what I suggested, which was also look at our failure to respond over the years to these hacks. You know, what, what did we do when China hacked the uh, Office of Personnel Management database? 
we I think for all I can tell, we came to some sort of gentleman's agreement with China. <laughs> well, that's not going to hold up in the in the coming years. And we certainly, with the Russia thing, it's explicit in that original Washington Post story. Obama administration officials did not want to respond to the Russian hacking because they were afraid of what Russia might do in response. That's no way to conduct national security policy. What do you think of Rex Tillerson as uh, Secretary of State, by the way? That's also gotten a lot. That not only is getting a lot of attention just because of the whole big business and People are upset that he's helped bring so much fossil fuel out of the ground, which I think is bizarre, and, well, that's a separate discussion. But also his ties to Putin means that it ties into this whole story about Russian influence in the election, and people are sort of conflating all these things or bringing all these things together. They are. I think Tillerson is eminently qualified to be Secretary of State. Uh, I also think that it's a good thing for a Secretary of State to have pre-existing relationships with world leaders. I mean... Diplomacy is built on relationships. I think there are a lot of questions about Rex Tillerson's worldview. You know, he really doesn't have one. He's really spent his career at Exxon, and all of his public comments about foreign affairs are related to Exxon's interests. And he has been very frank in the past when asked about specific details of foreign policy. He says, look, I, I don't know much about that. I'm going to leave that to other people. I'm, I know what's good for Exxon and what I'm trying to do for shareholders. So he has been skeptical of sanctions, that is for sure, as the CEO of Exxon. And, of course, he does have a a good personal relationship with Vladimir Putin. Now, I happen to think that one can have a relationship with Putin and also think that Putin is acting contrary to America's interests. The two can go together. But what will be important at the hearings is how Tillerson handles questions that aren't even tied to Putin. What does he have to say about the Syrian civil war? What does he have to say about the South China Sea, North Korea, and uh, nuclear weapons? What does he say about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? What does he say about Africa policy? Uh, what does he say about Venezuela, all of the, Cuba, all of these global hotspots that the Secretary of State will have to deal with in the next four years? He has to have good answers, I think, to reassure Republican senators that he's up to the job. I happen to think he will have good answers. He's he's very impressive just from a business standpoint. We also know, of course, he loves Abraham Lincoln and was instrumental in the renovation of Ford's Theater uh, earlier in this decade. And um, that's a good sign because I'm a, Le- I'm a Lincoln fan too. So anyone who's a fan of Lincoln, I, I have good feelings about. Matt Continetti is the editor-in-chief of the Washington Free Beacon. You can follow him at Continetti on Twitter and read his latest at freebeacon.com. Matt, great to have you, sir. Thanks for making the time. Thank you. Team phones are open, 888-900-3393. Our sponsor this half hour, Yankee Hill Machine, YHM.net. That's where you want to go. That's the website where you can see some of the finest craftsmanship in the firearms industry on display. Yankee Hill Machine designs, develops, and manufactures some of the best uh, firearms and sound suppressors and accessories on the market. They've got custom-made ARs top to bottom. They've got all kinds of fantastic accessories. Uh, they're a family-owned company. They're all made in America, right here in the U.S. of A., based out of Massachusetts. YHM.net, you can see their whole catalog there. It's a great time of year to do a little shopping for yourself. YHM.net, Yankee Hill Machine. That is YHM.net. We'll be right back. The Buck Sexton Show. Discover more at theblaze.com slash radio. The Blaze Radio Network.
dispensing the truth. This is Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Team, we've got some calls up. We'll take them. Scott in New Hampshire, you're on the Buck Sexton Show. Welcome. Hey, Buck. Shields high. Shields high, buddy. So, the question I wanted to ask you, and it seems like nobody seems to be asking this, is there's 55 electors that have signed on to Nancy Pelosi's letter regarding getting a briefing from the CIA about the Russian hacks. And only one of them would be one that would even be able to vote for Donald Trump. So what's the strategy here? Is it just looking for stupid people fishing? Uh, I think it's I think it's virtue signaling. I think that these electors figure that this is going to be kind of a resume bullet for them going forward. You know, I was one of the ones who stood up against Trump and. You know, they'll get on MSNBC, maybe they'll get like a talking head gig somewhere, get some speaking engagements. It's it's just all about the individuals who are, who are doing it because they are not going to do anything. I mean, in the New York Times editorial I mentioned to you, they had this law professor who's saying even the electors who are bound by law could violate the law, uh, you know, by viola- bound by state law could violate it because what are you going to do, throw them in jail? It's like, okay, well, I mean, I, I guess we are just at that point now where, where we are, you know, pushing for a Soviet-style system where, like, we just count the votes how we want to count them. I mean, this is nonsense. Absolutely. Well, I just wanted your input on that one. I mean, it, it, it just, I can't crawl into the mouth of the average liberal and, and figure out these. Yeah, it's, it, it's icky in there, Scott. Be careful. Don't go too, don't go too deep into the liberal's mind. Thanks for calling in, buddy. Shield tie. Uh, Rocky from Nebraska. Good to talk to you again. What's up? Hey, hey, Buck. That's funny. Don't try to go too deep into the liberal's mind. <laughs> I like that. Hey, uh, that uh, interview that you had with Poppy, I just want to say kudos to you. That was fantastic. And I know, like, when you go on CNN, that uh, it's like going into the lion's den. Like you said, they put you in a separate room and all that good stuff. But uh, what, what did they said? because CNN cut it out of their online uh, video that you go up and listen to that they said about you endangering what? Oh, no, that was on a different segment. That wasn't with Bobby Harlow. That was on CNN. That was it. One of their national security analysts said that by when I say that Democrats are exaggerating the importance of the Russian hacking in the election, I am endangering those serving overseas it was not the first time that analyst at CNN had made that accusation. This is like her go-to because she just wants to pretend to sort of be like a nonpartisan national security person who always favors Democrats, which is obviously a there, there's a bit of a conflict there. Um, but, yeah, I loved going on Tommy's show last night. They had that montage of all the times that I got interrupted uh, in the other segment. I didn't even remember. I, I'm just so used to it now. I can't even get I can't get out two sentences without the anchor not jumping in to add to what I'm saying or even to ask me a question, but just to contradict what I'm saying. And this is the anchor. Oh, it's man, not even a I, pundit. I, I know. I know. I, uh, I was, after I heard that on Monday, I was trying to call in. And unfortunately, that's when you, I uh, was a Tuesday, when you lost your signal. I was trying oh, to, yeah, I know. I was that, was a sad, that was a sad day for us all. It, <laughs> a sad day. It, oh, man, it hit. It had me really ticked off, and I was. Yeah, me too. Really Trust me, no one more than me, man. I was going to throw things at the wall in here. I was very. The Freedom Hut was about to get trashed by yours truly. I was very angry. Anyway, uh, Rocky, great to talk to you, man. Shields high. 
Team, we've got a lot more show. We're only halfway through. Stay right where you are. Be right back. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Emily Zanotti joins us now. She is the political editor at Heat Street. What's up, Emily? Not much. How's it going? You know, just rocking and rolling, doing some radio from here at NYC. You're up in the Windy City, right? It's 20 degrees here, so I assume it must be like zero degrees there. Yeah, the below freezing city today, actually, it's like icicles outside. See, this is why people are like, move to Chicago. You, you, the real estate's cheaper, it's beautiful, and people are nicer. I'm just like, but you all freeze in the winter. And then they kind of just say, yeah. But otherwise... There's like a-, a really great three months a year, but... <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. All right, so let, let's, let's get into it. Your Heat Street latest. Uh, let's start with... This tech summit, I haven't talked to the tech summit yet, so you could give us a little background on this. There was a big tech summit at Trump Tower, all the sort of titans of the digital world there, except for Dorsey mm-hmm. of Twitter. What, what's going on? So uh, yesterday, Peter Thiel, who's been working with the Trump campaign probably since the beginning of the campaign, he's been heavily involved, big donor. Um, he got a bunch of tech bigwigs to come to uh, Trump Tower yesterday, and they included like Sheryl Sandberg from Facebook. Um, Jeff Bezos from Amazon, even Tim Cook from Apple, and they they met together to try to discuss what the future of tech policy looked like, anti um, antitrust issues, things like that. Very serious stuff for the tech uh, industry. But it didn't include Jack Dorsey of Twitter because back in the campaign, the Twitter advertising company and Trump had a issue over an emoji. Uh, the Trump people had an agreement from Twitter that they would make a custom emoji for the hashtag crooked Hillary that, you know, kind of bubbling up on Twitter. And uh, Twitter made the emoji. They got almost all the way to deploying this awesome hashtag. And then Jack Dorsey stepped in and said, nope, we're not doing business with any presidential campaigns. So Trump took that personally. And now he's uh, not hanging out with Twitter anymore. I mean, Kanye will go and talk about multicultural issues with Trump. I feel yeah. like Dorsey should at least be willing to hear the man out. You would think, but he's been uh, one of the few tech bigwigs who's actually spoken out that he is not going to participate in the Trump agenda. And it's been this big thing for Twitter. And, uh, you know, strangely, he's been he's been unwilling, even though, you know, Apple, Jeff Bezos, who owns The Washington Post, he and Trump haven't gotten along at all. And uh, yeah, they were able to sit around the um, the table at Trump Tower and have coffee and chat about Amazon, and it was all fine. Tell me about this other story here. Twitter bullies opera prodigy after she agrees to perform at Trump's inauguration. Hmm. Yeah, poor Jackie Avancho. Um, so she won. Well, she was the runner-up on America's Got Talent back in 2010, and she's just adorable. She's like 16 years old, and she's a opera prodigy. She sings beautiful soprano. She agreed to do Donald Trump's inauguration. She's going to do a duet with Andrea Bocelli, and they're going to sing, um, I believe, the national anthem. And as soon as it was announced, uh, Twitter decided to crush her dreams 
and tell her that she was never going to sell another album, that she sucks as an opera singer. Um, and that's being nice. I mean, they were pretty profane. Uh, but yeah, they, they bullied her for hours as soon as she just decided to do this thing, which she said was an honor and a privilege, and she gets to do it on a national stage for the president. She was very excited, and now she's probably crying. How could people be mean to a 16-year-old opera prodigy for wanting to sing the national anthem? I mean, the, the left just hates America. Yeah, they just hate everything. Like, there's nothing that can make them happy anymore. I, don't, I, I saw some stuff about this, by the way, so you'll have to also, I haven't talked about it on the radio shows, so you'll be updating me as well as the audience right now. This professor who said students who voted for the terrorist Trump should stand and defend themselves. What I, I saw, like meaning I saw headlines on Twitter and Facebook about this, but I didn't read the, I didn't read the story. California professor did this. What happened? Yeah, she's a really wonderful person. Um, so she decided to go on a 30 minute rant in her classroom. This is an orange, uh, orange coast college out in California. She decided to go on a 30 minute rant about how Donald Trump is the worst person ever. And that anyone who voted for him is a terrorist. And she asked students who voted for Donald Trump, who are in her class, to stand up and not just to defend themselves, but also so the other students in her class could see who they needed to protect themselves from. Because obviously uh, anyone who voted for Donald Trump is just a huge disaster of a human being and going to probably assault anyone around them. Wow. And this guy, what's the latest here? I mean, are people... uh... There's obviously been some news coverage of it. There's been some outcry. He's standing behind this. She's yeah. She actually oh, is she, standing sorry, behind yes. it. Yeah, she's standing behind it. Her union is standing behind her. She says that she's gotten a bunch of death threats um, after all of this went public, and and this is pretty probably pretty par for the internet. I mean, they will threaten anything, and so uh, there's a YouTube video out of her, and it's been going viral. Um, but she says she's going to fight it and that uh, she was right in sticking up for her beliefs in her classroom. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, educate yeah. me a bit in the progressive lingo here, because you've got a piece up on uh, don't. Oh, it says don't, the title is don't know what axes of privilege or manarchism means. Look it up in the new social justice wiki. All right. Let's start with manarchism, because that sounds kind of awesome. So manarchism is just regular anarchy or anarchism, but social justice warriors are very concerned that anarchism is mostly practiced by men. And so there's a movement within social justice circles to gender neutralize anarchism. And so they've labeled men who are anarchists, specifically white men who are anarchists, Manarchists, um, and there's also um, brochialism, which refers to white men who espouse the socialist ideal. So, whichever side of the uh, political spectrum you fall on, you probably have a, a, a white male problem. See, I thought brochialism is when a bunch of uh, young male white millennials in a bar all made sure that they had Pabst Blue Ribbon and the same quantity before they would drink. <laughs> I'm learning something new. <laughs> yep. Share and share alike. <laughs> what is axes of privilege, by the way? Axes of privilege. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> axes of privilege. Axes, axes of, privilege. of privilege, Buck. Get it straight. <laughs> so this is the theory 
Uh, at, at least what I learned from the social justice wiki. My eyes have been opened this week because I spent a lot of time on the social justice wiki learning all about all the different social justice items. But apparently, in social justice warrior groups, so feminists, anarchists, um, people who fight racism, all these these small social justice groups, there's actually a hierarchy of how social justice they are. And so if you belong to one group, you have to recognize that you have certain privileges that other groups might not. So I guess being, you know, a young white woman, I would have privileges that people in other social justice related groups might not have. So you you, out, so you outrank have, me. You outrank me right away. Yeah. Right? So I outrank you. Okay. <laughs> Just by virtue of gender. Well, you know, depending on uh, how whether you believe gender is binary or, you know, whatever. Um, but, but yeah, there's a, an axis of privilege. So you consult this axis of privilege to make sure that you are not oppressing other social justice warriors. Ah, okay. So mm-hmm. the, the wiki is then just trying to be helpful. So the, the constantly changing helpful. language of the social justice left, at least now there's sort of one place where you can go and find out that uh, you can only mansplain if you have some other means of making sure that you are in the hierarchy proper, like mansplaining can be canceled right. out by, say, being in another protected group. I don't know. I think it, it, it gets complex. Yeah. You know, if maybe you're missing a limb or, you know, you you recognize your inner femininity, maybe that would help you if you were accused of mansplaining. I'm not really sure, but this this wiki will help you out. All right. Good to know. Uh, oh, and uh, one more thing here. What are the since Russia is now dominating the headlines and it really is, what are the conspiracy theories that are swirling uh, once again over the DNC uh, staffer Seth Rich who was murdered? You got a piece on Heat Street on this. Yeah, so I've been following this story since July and uh, a DNC employee was murdered in a robbery back in July and he kind of got mixed up into a bunch of conspiracy theories because it hit around the same time that the DNC was hacked. And so people thought, well, perhaps, you know, since in lore, the Clintons are often accused of, you know, attacking their enemies, that he might have been involved in the leak of the DNC emails. There's no evidence to support this, but now that Russia has come out, uh, or it's come out that Russia is behind this DNC act, uh, hack um, his name is resurfacing and so people are starting to wonder whether you know this is to get attention off of uh, the staffers involvement in the hack but it's it's convoluted but uh, like Pizzagate it's entirely based on internet investigation so it's definitely got some uh, interesting angles to it indeed all right Emily Zanotti political editor at Heat Street she is E.M. Zanotti on Twitter and Zanatti's sounds like a fantastic restaurant name. I am just saying. Um, that's an open one. <laughs> I think I've I've thought about it many times. Actually, what would be your cuisine of choice? Oh, definitely Italian, right? Just making sure, but I didn't see. I didn't want to mansplain, and I also didn't want to pigeonhole okay. you and make some sort of gender or ethnic based uh, jump to conclusions moment here. But yeah, Zanatti's Pizzeria <laughs> in Chicago is obviously a place I'm going to come check out. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Emily. Good to talk to you. Team, uh, 888-900-3393. We will be right back. Buck Sexton. 
Dispensing the truth. On the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to the Buck Sexton Show only on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, it's starting, team. It is starting. Facebook is coming courtesy of a report on Business Insider. Facebook is now going to um, editorialize on what is news. This is a big deal. Um, this this is not something that we should just sort of let pass without noticing. Uh, you have here, let me just give you the beginning of this Business Insider piece. Facebook is going to start fact-checking, labeling, and burying fake news and hoaxes in the news feed. This is the company announced on Thursday. The decision comes after Facebook received heated criticism for its role in the spreading of a deluge of political misinformation in the U.S. political uh, election. To combat fake news, Facebook has partnered with a short list of media organizations, including Snopes and ABC News, that are part of an international fact-checking network led by Pointer, a nonprofit school for journalism located in St. Petersburg, Florida. Oh, my. Here we go. Uh, first of all, I've never heard of this Pointer thing. Uh, and this is the beginning of open, uh, open editorializing in the Facebook feeds. Instead of just what gets shared a lot will get shared a lot, and what people want to read, they can read. And activity you know the algorithm recognizing activity on certain pieces and using that as a sort of jumping off point for whether or not something should get attention on Facebook what you're going to see here is increasingly um well it'll take a while but then people realize wait a second um fake news is what exactly is it fake news when somebody editorializes on real news and takes an opinion and that starts to go viral, but it's, you know, it says something that perhaps is not yet established fact, but is under the sort of opinion heading? Is that going to be treated as fake news? Uh, this is this is exactly what I, I figured was going to happen, and it's why there's been so much uh, agitation in the m- mainstream media and so much agitating for exactly this to happen. Uh, as we can see, people want there to be a, uh, a sort of a, an editorial hand in the way social media sites do all of this stuff. And now Facebook is essentially or is coming out and saying, yes, we, we are going to combat fake news. Uh, we're going to stop it from being shared on Facebook. How long before you see websites with long track records of accurate reporting sharing information or rather being barred from sharing information that you and I would want to see because some on the left view it as fake news. I mean, this is the next level. You see, they can't really, because of the internet, the left can't control the news cycle the way they used to. They still are a dominant voice in it, but they don't have full control. But if they can control the social media platforms that control the sharing of different media outlets um, or that are the sort of main uh, gateway for people to, share information online. Uh, They can regain some of that previously uh, unchallenged authority to dictate what's in the news cycle, to tell you what counts and what doesn't, uh, to tell you what is a real story and what is not. You don't get to decide for yourself. 
Should be noted that Facebook is a private company and they can do this. Uh, this is not a sort of First Amendment issue as a matter of law, um, but it, it is an issue in terms of the marketplace of ideas. And also, look, Zuckerberg won't meet with Trump because he's so pro-legal and illegal immigration. And he's the head of this whole thing. He's the head of Facebook. So by no means, I think, can we sit around and take any solace in, oh, well, Facebook will be nonpartisan and nonpolitical. That's not going to be the case. Uh, I can guarantee you the people that they're going to have working on this project to eliminate fake news, uh, not a lot of them spend much time on Fox News or The Blaze or uh, Town Hall or Drudge or you name it. All right, so we all know how this is going to go down, and this is the beginning of it. I think this is very significant. All right, Team Hour 3 is coming up. Got a very interesting guest planned for you, so stay with me, and you'll see what the surprise is. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 